I begin today with a young lady who's a transition year student at Our Lady's College in Green Hills and she's the recent winner of the inaugural Limo Bukula Under 18 Essay Competition and her essay has the lovely title What It Means to Be Irish. I'm delighted to welcome Joy Chucks to the show. Hello Joy. Hi, thanks for having me. Not at all. Thank you for joining me on the show today and congratulations on your win. Thank you. Ah, it's a wonderful, wonderful essay, may I say. I've had it for some time and I've reread it again a couple of times. I've enjoyed it so much. So the title is What It Means to Be Irish. Tell them first who you are and who your parents are. Uh, my name is Joy Chooks. I'm a 16-year-old girl. I live in Turnpikin. I wrote the essay because I felt like it was a very personal topic and I thought I had like, a good view on it. Just to go back to your background, your mum and dad are immigrants who came here from Nigeria. Yeah. And you were born in Ireland? Yeah. And you have a sister too, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And growing up as as a young girl, when you read your essay, you were conflicted as to, you know, your Irishness. Tell us a bit about that. Why did you feel like that? Um, I guess where I grew up, there was very few, like, black families. So, like, going to school, I was the only person in my class. Or, like, growing up, like, all my friends were white. But I felt like I was alone because I had no one else to, like, relate to, like, stuff I do at home, like, different traditions. Like, I couldn't really talk about that stuff to anyone else but, like, my parents or my sisters. Hmm. So you felt different. You felt apart from your friends at school, your friends that you mixed with as well. You just didn't feel part of it. Yeah. And and you've been writing about this, uh, the the way you felt in, in those younger years. But a few things, this is the essence of, of what you wrote. A, a, a few uh, happenings in your life changed your outlook on this. Tell our listeners what happened. Where you, you were taking tin whistle lessons when you were, what, seven? Yeah, I think I was, it was around my communion, so probably seven or eight. Mm. And there was a teacher, and she held lessons. And I remember my mother had cancer at the time, and the school was probably aware of that as well. And I, we had to pay for lessons, so one of the days I brought in the money, and the teacher, obviously knowing who my mother was, I, like I gave her the money, and she didn't. She gave me some of it back as well to bring back home. And I was like, I was really confused. I didn't really understand why she had taken all of it, but I didn't ask any questions. And I brought it home, and I remember I gave it to my mother, and for a couple seconds. She's confused as well. And then I think the teacher left like a little note inside the envelope with the money in it. I remember she read it and then she just started crying. And I remember I was so confused because I didn't know, like, I didn't know what was happening. I just sat there and kind of watched. And did she explain to you then what had happened? Did you realise ultimately that they didn't take the money for the lessons? The teacher didn't. She wanted you and your mom and family to have it. Yeah. Yeah, you knew that then at that stage. So that made an impression on you and you're only seven, eight years of age. You mentioned that your mother had cancer and uh, the second time that, you know, the, the the love and generosity and the coming together of the Irish community around you and your family happened was with this local priest. Tell us what the local priest did. So every, I think it was like every Sunday, Sunday evening, the priest would come and he would like pray with my mother. They'd take like communion and they'd just talk. But obviously being young, they like sent me out of the room and I remember watching from the kitchen and I was kind of confused because like we didn't go to the local church, but I knew obviously who the priest was from primary school. So I'd see him like come in every Sunday and I saw like how much it meant to her. Like even though it was such a small gesture, I saw like how happy she was. 
mm. after he left. And I think that made a really big impression on me. So she was a woman of faith, your mother, great faith and belief. And it didn't matter. That priest came and got very close to her. And isn't that just lovely to remember that and that you remember it so vividly as well? And then sadly, your mum passed away. And um, she passed away when I was 10. Yeah. I remember it was like a, it was a really big shock to me. I was expecting it, but not like not not as much as I thought I was. Mm. And I remember our primary school. This is the first year they did it. They had like a sponsored walk. So my primary school was close to the beach. It was like maybe fifteen twenty minute walk. So we'd all walk down. I remember it was a sponsored walk. So I remember everyone like bought the these like sheets. They had to like fill in and then bring them back with their money or whatever. I remember. I don't think it was until the day of the walk or the day before. I heard someone talking. One of my friends told me it was for my family and they hadn't like they hadn't said anything. I think I was supposed to be surprised that maybe it was spoiled on me, but it didn't really make a difference. But I remember like that really like I was really like touched by it because like they didn't try to make it like a big scene for everyone to know. It was like a really like down note, but it really helped us a lot. Yeah. So that walk uh, and the funds raised went to help your family at a very difficult time. And again, it was something that uh, is really special to you. And again, changed that uh, perception that you had of, of not being part of the community here. I, I, do you feel Irish now? Obviously you do when you wrote this lesson because of the, the title is, you know, your pride in your Irishness. Yeah, I definitely do. That's great to hear. It really, really is. And going back to your mum and dad, it was the time in Nigeria of the Biafran War. I forgot to mention that. Uh, and Ireland, this this is something when you learned about this, the Irish support for the people of Biafra. That was a big thing for you as well, to understand that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I remember a second or third year, we did the CBAs in the different subjects. And in the history one, we had to do a project on like history that was like close to us or like our family so I did mine on the Biafran War because my dad was like a little boy during it when it happened and I did an interview with him and as he's interviewing he's telling me about like like help that they got during the war and he mentioned like funds raised so when it came to writing this essay I thought it'd be a good point to also put in because I don't think it's a fact that a lot of people know but it's obviously a very good thing to know so I want to put in as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, Ireland, I can remember that as a child myself and, and uh, doing little fundraisers as well to help the people of Biafra. It's just interesting reading what you had to say about it again. So you're part and parcel. You're a student in Green Hills College in Drogheda in transition year. What what do you hope to do? You're moving into the, the senior cycle, let me say, for leaving Sarah shortly. What what would you like to do with your life? What would you like to work at, Ar? Mm, I'm looking at medicine. I know everyone's always telling me it's a very, like, hard subject to do or hard job to get into mm. but it's something that I've like always wanted to do for as long as I can remember I was like oh I want to be a doctor like growing up I always watch like shows that I probably I was probably wasn't supposed to watch but like I just loved watching them so much so I think that's definitely where my heart is Oh good Anya and best wishes for that Today in Ireland as you know there's a lot of um, controversy going on about we're taking in a lot of refugees from uh, war-torn Ukraine and elsewhere in the world and you see that it doesn't sit easy with some people. What do you say to people today who are listening to you? You know, your experience of how you were welcomed, your family uh, brought into the heart of the community. What would you say today or how do you th- do you think about that? What's going on? Um, yeah, I do think about it and I think it is a very like touchy subject. It's a hard subject to like talk about. But I think people should remember, like, like 
this could have been us in another situation. And I think people should be like, treat it lightly, but not like take it into account because like people are like how people, how we treat others will come back to us, but also it could make a big impact on them and how they go about their lives as well. Mm. So I think we should be good to them as well. Well said. And, and that, that, that is so true. And we have been so welcoming and helpful in this country over the years. But we've got to remember, too, that in previous times, as you know, probably through your history, uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of Irish people left these shores over the years to go to America, uh, Britain, Australia and all over the world. And they've set up their lives there. And there's huge Irish diaspora, uh, diaspora in, in those countries as well. I, I, I love your article. I really do. I love the essay. I'm not surprised you won it, Joy. Well done to you. Thank you so much. Listen, I know you hopped out of class there to have a chat with me. They were scampering around the school looking for you, I believe. Yeah. But listen, it's, I just wanted to acknowledge your wonderful win, congratulate you and wish you well with everything you do in your life. You have a fantastic talent, obviously, and Irish to the core, Joy. Thank you. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Joy Chucks there, 16 years of age. It's a wonderful article, what it means to be Irish. Conor Gleeson from Navin joins me on the line. Hello, Conor. Hey, Jerry. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Thank you for uh, joining me. From Navin, you've been living in Dublin for a few years and you were uh, hightailing it off on uh, a journey. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, you can call it that. All right. When was that? Was that late last year? So I ended up, I left for France just at the end of, uh, end of November. Um, right. Shortly after, I suppose, the whole, the whole scam saga kicked off. Okay, so the end of November, you head for France and you're in France at the moment. But before you headed off, you had a few bits and pieces you wanted to sell. Yeah, yeah, the usual area was getting rid of the car, um, the laptop, and just a few bits and pieces I wasn't going to be bringing, bringing along with me. So, uh, yeah, the laptop went up for sale um, on Facebook Marketplace, which I've used many times before. Um, but just resulted in me getting stung this time uh, pretty badly, unfortunately. So you put it up on Facebook Marketplace and you're contacted by a man to say, I want to buy the laptop. Yeah, exactly. Um, Same as as kind of other sales I've had before. Um, Contacted, um, the the, the sale was arranged, the the, the date and time to meet to uh, have a look at the laptop. Um, Nothing out of the ordinary there. And yeah, I had uh, on on the, the evening of the... The arranged meeting. I had two uh, two young men arrive at the front door to uh, to look at the laptop, um, and yeah, came inside, had a look, had a look through the the, the laptop. They were happy enough, um, and wanted to do a bank transfer with me at the time, which I'd be a little bit sceptical about at the best of times, um, especially with these these online sales. Um, but they produced an app with a, a banking app that was actually able to give me a receipt and actually show me an actual receipt to my exact IBAN for the amount of money um, that we agreed on. Um, but it, obviously, I wasn't going to let go of the laptop until I had the money, so I, I made them aware. Um, eventually, they they left, um, but in the meantime, it seems they managed to get a photo of my, my driver's license, which uh, would have been on my desk. I suppose it was my work my workstation that I was working from home. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, that seems to be where I, I let the guard down, unfortunately. So, 
obviously the money never came through to your bank account thank god you didn't give them the laptop and that's a, a warning to everybody you didn't part with it you said you can have it when the money comes through money didn't come through uh, no surprise you retained your laptop but let's get back to that point they came to your house your workstation your driving license a few other things were sitting there i take it now that they got a picture of your driving license yeah, so anyone I've spoke to that have been the victim of this scam so far that have ended up contacting me have said it has only been a picture. So I still have the hard copy license here that was never removed from the house. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was just, just a picture that they're producing and each time they arrive to try this scam on somebody else, they're telling them they're Connor Gleeson and they're giving my home address in Navin, which is obviously the, the major issue with, with this, um, that that's being distributed so so freely. And there have been a number of instances, they're not just isolated, one, two, three, four, I see four here already, where your identity has been used by these guys to try and, uh, you know, say that this is a bona fides transaction we're trying to do with you here. Um, um, the, the first man to contact you was scammed out of a watch. Scammed out of a watch, sure, yeah, and uh, he, he got actually put up a Facebook post with the, he was sent a copy of my driving license as well, the photograph, and used that picture to create his own Facebook post looking for me, looking for information on Connor Gleeson from Navin, um, and it was a friend of mine from, from Navin actually that alerted me to this, came across it on social media, uh, so I was able to get in contact with, with the man in question, spoke with him over the phone, he was very understanding. Um, and it had pretty much been a victim of it, except to the point where he actually had handed over the product itself, the watch. Mm. So he he had been probably done worse than than I had at the time. I didn't lose the product, but uh, it was just the, the license, obviously that was that was taken. Yeah. Then Drogheda Gardy got in contact with you to tell you about a similar scan, and then a couple in uh, Glasgow in Scotland uh, were trying to sell a phone. Yeah, so this is only of, of yesterday evening um, that I found out about. After I put up a post on, on Facebook, I was advised to share it as widely as I could over social media platforms to essentially make the licence uh, kind of uh, no use, like obsolete to, the, to these guys going forward. Um, and then I got contacted by this uh, couple of students uh, in Glasgow who had been uh, victims of the same thing and had been given my name and address uh, at their door when going through the sale. Mm. So, yeah, it looks like it's made its way across the water in the last couple of days. Yeah, Glasgow again, another girl in Edinburgh who lost her laptop uh, to the same scam. So you are being used widely across social media and by these people or their associates uh, that called to you last November uh, to buy the laptop from you. So we're really warning people today, if anyone produces a driving licence or ID for a Connor Gleeson, run a mile. Yeah, 100%, Jerry. And, you know, I don't even know how many other people they could have have copies of driving licenses for. So I think if if a, if a buyer is eager to produce a driving license to prove to you they are who they say they are, I'd be uh, I'd be quite sceptical about that now at the moment too. Mm. Um, so and I, and I think it's unless it's a, unless it's a cash sale really, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be dealing with with uh, with the likes of that anymore with with bank transfers and yeah. uh, the likes of what can go on. I've seen I've seen it firsthand now. So. Going forward, I suppose if people can avoid, hopefully, if, if there's anything good to come out of it, is is that the, essentially no one else is caught out the same, and that my my license can be kind of rendered obsolete to these people moving forward with the, with their scam. When you go back to that call to your home in Dublin in November to look at the laptop, I want to ask you a couple of things about that. The two guys, were the young guys, were they presentable? Were you dubious of them as soon as you opened the door and saw them? 
Yeah, so I, I would have been slightly dubious. It just it felt uh, it did feel slightly different um, to, to other sellers that have called to the door. Probably couldn't put a finger on it, but um, mm. I was also on my own in the house that evening, so I was I was conscious of that too. So yes, there was no I was I was you know I was trying to make sure that you know nothing kind of got out of hand when it came to me telling them I'm not handing this over this laptop until I receive the money. Yeah, um, so there was obviously. They also told me when they arrived that the person I had been dealing with on Facebook was unable to arrive, was unable to come himself. Um, so that was obviously alarm bells too. But at that stage, all I'm thinking is my front door is open here. I'm on my own. I need to try and manage the situation the best I can to kind of avoid myself coming to any harm at that point, yeah. um, which I actually thought I had got away with nicely in the end. But um, mm. no, they they obviously left with what they were what they what they were looking for, I suppose, uh, after the laptop. Did you notice them taking the picture? Did one of them distract you? You know, or, or can you recall anything? Does it anything uh, sit with you now to say, "Oh God, I, I should have spotted that"? Or did you not see it at all? Nothing. I mean, there was there, nothing that I can pinpoint. Yes. Um, that, and I don't know whether whether it was a strategic thing on their point. I, you know, I'd be I'd be surprised that I would miss something like that. But um, mm. I obviously did. Uh, they were quite keen to to kind of say, well, well, we're after giving you this money. How do we know who you are? Mm. Um, and I'm like, you know where I live. You know the usual. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was. Uh, there could have been something. Tactics wise on their end, but I didn't. I can't say I noticed it. Unfortunately, mm, just shows you. You know, you can be uh, on the top of your game, and you can still just miss something. And obviously, you did in this instance, and away they went. So again, we're saying to people: driving licenses being used as bona fides for transactions. Please don't touch it. Don't touch it whatsoever. And if you see Connor Gleason's name across social media or people trying to use his name or his identity, again, don't go near it. Look, thanks for telling us the story. It's a, a real uh, warning to everybody and another angle on these scammers as well. And uh, I know, um, you know, you're annoyed about what has haps- happened subsequently. But look, um you're telling the story and that is important to others to prevent them being scammed out of uh, what they love and want to keep dear to them. Connor, wish you well and I hope this settles down. Thanks a million, Jerry. Really appreciate you having me on. Not at all. Take care of yourself. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Connor Gleeson there from Navin. We've been in touch with the Gardaí, uh, the press office, uh, for comment and we're still waiting for a reply from them. We watch TV. TV themes. TV themes with Jerry Kelly on the late lunch. Remember that TV movie we saw? TV, TV, TV. 086 658. You need that number now. WhatsApp or text 086 658. Do you remember this one? Yes, the name of that song, please. Not the song itself, but the name of the TV show that that song is the theme of, please. We have a nice prize to give away. And I'll chip some bingo books into the 
mix as well. 8,800 the jackpot next week if you enter the competition. What is that TV theme? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. It's spring. It's the third day of February. The days are getting longer. The daffs are well up at this stage. The birds are singing. And Nikki Kyle is raring to go. <laughs> Afternoon, Nikki. Afternoon, Jerry. It's almost spring, not quite. Um, you know, the Festival of Imbolc is sort of halfway between the, the um, uh, winter solstice and the spring equinox. So we're sort of halfway to spring, really. Mm. Proper spring. But, uh, I mean, doesn't the bright light make you feel good? The birds are singing louder. Uh, I even heard a thrush singing this morning in the old orchard, so it's wonderful. Lovely. It really it's is. Exciting time. It is an exciting time. Now... This weekend and into February, can we start sowing this weekend? Come on, please tell me we yeah, can. Of course we can, yeah. I mean, you've got to be careful of frost and things. Obviously, you can't do anything outside yet. It's much too early, um, you know, because we could get a really nasty frost. But if you've got any sort of room inside, well, you could start sowing things in the house um, and then put them out uh, and take, you know, in, in a cold frame or a, a greenhouse when, you know, for better light when they've actually germinated. Um, sorry, there's a bit of a crackle on this line again. Yeah. Um, but, um, it, you know, it, it's not too early. It, lots of leafy things, fast-growing things you can sow now. I mean, I'm sowing a lot of things earlier than normal at the moment because I'm having ankle surgery in, in a few weeks' time. So I'm not going to be able to do anything for a while. So I want to get some really healthy salads and things like that on the go before I can't do anything for a few weeks. Um, but, you know, leafy salad greens uh, are the hardest thing to find fresh in the shops at this time of year, but they're the fastest and easiest to grow. Things like loose-leaf lettuce and spinach, which crops much longer than, um, you know, he- heading lettuce, the loose-leaf lettuce. Uh, I, lo- I love little gems, uh, but you can park, start picking the leaves as soon as they're big enough, and they don't mind a bit. Um, there's actually quite a long list of easy, fast-growing veg to start now, and tips for early sowing in, in my What to Sow blog post. Um, NikkiKyleGardening.com yeah. you'll get all the information there so salad greens they can go in and what are you talking about a seed tray on your window and uh, they'll germinate there well you don't have to put the, you know it, it, actually you don't want them too warm um, yeah. so you don't want a window that's going to be very sunny okay um, what you can do is sort of start them off anywhere in the house where you can keep an eye on them and watch them and the minute one of them starts to show above the compost, then put them into good light. Uh, and often, you know, a window isn't the best light because they're, they're only getting light from, from sort of one side. Uh, I mean, you can actually put tin foil or white painted cardboard behind them to reflect the light a bit, uh, but they're always actually much better outside uh, during the day, maybe under a cloche or something, and bring them in at night, Okay, you know. Just okay. be careful of frost, that's the thing. But if you, if you have a propagator, all the better, or a heated capillary mat, which I got having met you many years ago, and I use it all the time, uh, if you have a greenhouse or a tunnel, you can start them on the bench out there. Well, you could tomatoes and things like that, but you right. don't need that much warmth for okay. salad greens. As long as they're above freezing, they'll keep on growing steadily, as long as they don't get a frost. And if you push them too hard, sometimes it can make them grow too tall and they collapse, you know, yes. because they get diseased. Yes. Don't push them too hard. But uh, I, I'm actually going to sow some tomatoes this weekend as well. Um, normally, I don't sow them until the end of this month or, or the very beginning of March yeah. to get my early tomatoes. But again, I want to get them started off early. Mm. Um, but, you know, as long as you give things really good light, uh, most things are actually fine at about 
sort of, uh, well, over-freezing, basically. Yes. And tomatoes really only need about 50 degrees cent- um, Fahrenheit or 10 degrees centigrade, you know, which actually keeps them warm at the root mm. uh, and keeps them growing. Yeah. You, you know, you don't want to push stuff at this time of year because we could, you know, like we did last year, in a few weeks' time, we could get serious frost again. Yeah. Uh, and they'll be very vulnerable if they've been pushed. But if they've got plenty of light and they're just growing steadily, even if they're growing in cool conditions, they'll be much hardier. So would you advise people on the main, I know you're doing it for a reason, on the tomato front, would you go this weekend or wait a couple of weeks? No, as long as you can give them the warmth. Okay. Perfect. Um, but you're in a propagator uh, at about 50. But most of the small propagators you buy in garden centres are actually mo- much too warm. They have a set um, mm. thermostat that, that you can't, which you can't adjust. And most of them are set at about 70 degrees Fahrenheit or, or whatever, you know. So it, that actually will push them too much. Um, but uh, certainly tomatoes, uh, beef steaks, I would start possibly uh, in the middle of this month and aubergines as well because they all, they need a longer season. Yes. Um, but then things like mascotka, and other tomatoes like sun gold, they won't need starting off till the beginning of March. What about peppers and chilies? Because I know last year my peppers they take a long time to grow as well. Peppers, chilies, so they'll yeah, peppers, chilies, and aubergines. I would start at the same time. Okay, uh, around mid-February. But again, don't forget you've got to keep them warmer for a much longer time. Mm. You won't be able to plant those out until the middle of May. All right, so yeah. you've got to keep potting them on and keeping them warm and protecting them from frost and if you don't have the time you know you could start off a bit later and still catch up okay uh, onion seeds onion sets you could put in onion seed now or wait another month they'll do perfectly well um onion sets as you know i don't like um uh, i mean unless you're going to put them in a tub or something that's fine uh, but i would never risk onion sets out uh, in the garden or in the polysol in case they bring in disease um, the other thing I was uh, doing this morning was I got my seed potatoes from Fruit Hill Farm a couple of days ago. Yes. Um, and that actually reminded me, to, you know, this morning doing this, to, to actually take them out of the net bags now. Mm. Because what happens is if they get inside a warm house, they think, oh, lovely, you know, and they start sprouting. And the sprouts go through the nets. And then when you try to tip them out of the net, they all drop off. Mm. So take them out of the nets now. And if you actually want to start them off, uh, sprouting early uh, and get them in early, um, put them in a dark box, you know, a small box in the dark somewhere warm and they'll sprout like mad in a few days' time and then you can sprout, sort of, you know, um, plant them and have them a bit earlier. The other thing you can do is when the sprouts get nice and long, you can either slice them off with a little bit of potato underneath or if they're long enough and they've got budding roots growing, you can actually just snap off those sprouts which will actually give you more if you're only getting sort of six or seven potatoes in a small amount from fruit hill you could actually even cut those potatoes in half as long as you let the halves the cut halves dry out yes. before trying to plant and, and watering yes they'll be fine then um or again snap one or two shoots off to make more and that way you get you make more out of your potatoes you know it's good value oh you're really resourceful you really are um i've got mine yes my uh, duke of york bold uh, the red duke of york arrived the other day and immediately I did as a good student and pupil of yours took them out of the bags and I have them and I've pushed them into a slightly dark area so they're sprouting away now I have salad potatoes I bought uh, pre-Christmas just yeah. in a bag in uh, the, the local supermarket Lovely. and there's good big sprouts on those now we're going to put them in tomorrow myself and Ava in the pots we put the, we put those into pots yeah, they're absolutely fine. I mean, you, you know, if, if you don't get a chance to plant them out later, they'll actually even crop in two-litre pots or yes. slightly bigger pots. 
Um, you don't have to plant them. I wouldn't plant them outside anyway. Yes. Um, I would keep them in pots, the ones that you're starting off really early yes. now. Because I say, you know, our weather's so erratic and unpredictable now, we don't know when we're going to get a massive yeah. frost. Yeah, I'm going to put them in the pots and leave them in the tunnel of the yeah. greenhouse and they'll they'll tip away there and when they appear, I'll keep a good eye on them uh, for sure. And um, What about uh, peas and beans at this time of year? Well, you could start those off early too, but I would say sprout them. You know, mm. put them onto um, damp kitchen paper, t- kitchen paper towel in a warm place um, in the kitchen somewhere. Again, where you can keep an eye on them. Have a look at them every day or so. Uh, they'll only take two or three days to actually start sprouting roots at room temperature, you know, at house room temperature. Uh, and then plant them, um, sow them into pots. Uh, and again, keep them well out of the way of mice. Mm. You know, even keep them in the house for a few days until they're showing above the, the compost. Then they can go out into a cold greenhouse and they'll be fine. But again, protect them from mice because they will actually dig them up and eat them even when the, the plants growing above them are two inches tall. Mm. They're little devils. They are, and it often happened to me. You wondered what happened to the seeds, but there yeah. you are. That is the explanation. Um, what was it to say to you? What about older seeds that you may have at home and you look at the date in them and they're a few years old? What's your advice there? Sow them. Sow them? <laughs> what have you got that? to lose? <laughs> you know, just so that maybe, maybe if, you, if you want to try a couple in a tiny pot, first of all, mm. to see what the germination is like. But, you know, seeds will actually last far longer than most people think. And obviously the seed companies tell you to sow them all at once and that's it, you know. Um, but they want to sell you more. Uh, and, you know, we don't need to. We could, we could be really frugal with seed, particularly if it's good organic seed is actually the best. And open pollinated, not F1 hybrids, um, older seed will actually keep germinating for, for years. I've germinated my own home-saved beetroot seed after 11 years, and it's still absolutely fine. Terrific! There you are. Once you store them dry and in yeah. a, in a dark place, that's the key. I was t- just. I want to go back to the tomatoes again. I I always love you to name a few varieties for people listening today. Uh, you know, from your experience, if you were buying, say, two or three varieties of tomato, what would you go for? Um, well, certainly. I mean, if you've got children who think they don't like veg, buy Sun Gold because they like tomato sweeties. Mm. As, as a, a customer of mine used to say, <laughs> that's how she got her grandchildren to eat tomatoes. Yes. Um, you know, it's an F1 hybrid. It's lovely. Uh, there's Tumbler or Tumbling Tom. That's a lovely dwarf bush, which is very early, like Mascotka. There's Mascotka. Um, there's Latar, which uh, Mads McKeever at Brown Envelope Seeds has. Um, you know, there's a lot of good, and bush varieties are easier because you don't mm. have to remember to side shoot them. You know, if you're new to growing tomatoes and you're not quite sure what to do, grow bush variety and just leave it alone. Just, yes. just pot it up or, or plant it, water it and leave it alone. Um, you know, because then you don't have to worry about taking off the wrong shoots or anything. They'll just produce a crop anyway. Well, I, I have a few uh, tricks up my sleeve, which I'll talk to you about off, off air of new varieties I, I, I sh- should have in the next week. Um, and mm. you, I, I did mention a couple of them to you last time we were on and you were saying, well, if they're F1s, they're actually not. None of them are F1s, so which really? is great news, you know, so we can grow them and keep the seeds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's so important, you know, because it saves so much money. And if they're good varieties, it's really worth keeping them going. I've got a few varieties here now which are no longer available anywhere. Mm. Um, and I actually sent some to a friend in the UK, a very good vegetable expert, vegetable gardener, and he's already got John Bayer seed coming up. So I'm going to try and find uh, a couple of companies this year to actually try and take on some of this seed I have, because it mustn't be lost.
Yes. Some of them are the best tasting varieties ever and they're not available anywhere. Oh, don't get us started on that. We'll start crying about our favourite tomato of all time that you've managed to keep alive, I have to say. Yes. Well, uh, have you, Jerry? I told you to take company. Oh, Nikki, you'll have to pardon me. No, I'll be going back to you again. (laughs) You want a jolly good smack, Jerry, I told you. Mine are looking distinctly dodgy because I've been sort of back and forth to hospitals and things and I haven't been looking after things. As, 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 as well as usual I think they're just about still alive alright so I'm going to pop them up this weekend and pray you have the greenest of green fingers the magic touch for sure <laughs> before we finish today you did mention that you have to have ankle surgery and a word about mobility and gardening Nikki. well that's one of the things I'm actually going to be looking at this year well I've done it quite a bit in, in, over the years because I've had to grow in raised beds for many years because I had back surgery years ago and, and now you know things are gradually deteriorating as, it, as they do with age and wear um, and you know I, but I don't want to give up growing things so um, what I'm actually going to do and we might have a little meeting there in midsummer I hope um, is I'm going to make some raised beds sort of raised um, grow bag beds um, mm. you know uh, referring to my grow bag experiment last year with the bags of peat-free compost um, and I'm going to put those outside the front door uh, because I know after a cup from breaking my ankle four years ago I know that after a few weeks two or three weeks I'll be able to sort of manage to get down onto a chair outside the front door um, and I can foodle about and I can plant lettuce and pick lettuce and just listen to the birds and look at something green which is so good for our mental health I mean I'd go nuts if I was stuck inside <laughs> of course you would I love that word foodle about I'm going to write that down and keep it for future reference you know, it, it covers a multitude, doesn't it? Really? It does, it does indeed. <laughs> NikkiKyleGardening.com. Get going this weekend. Get out. If you've never done it before, give it a go. You'll love it. It'll grow in you and it's something you'll have for your lifetime. Check her out, NikkiKyleGardening.com. Until next month, thank you so much as always. You're welcome, Jerry. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Nikki Kyle there getting us green-fingered and garden-ready. That's how it works. It's called comedy. Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. On the late lunch. I love comedy. Olympic sports, the Commonwealth and ageing with children all given the once over by Mr. Frankie Boyle. We had the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow this year. A great choice of venue. A place where people think that hepatitis B is a vitamin. really trust these big sporting occasions, you know, the Olympics, a lot of that stuff is just for rich people. Dressage, yachting, I don't remember that at school. <laughs> yachting tomorrow class, so remember, bring in your boots. <laughs> I don't like the Commonwealth, because the Commonwealth is the old British Empire. It's called the Commonwealth because Britain stole all those countries' wealth and then went, come on. The whole empire was founded on cocaine. Everybody was on cocaine. The remedies had cocaine in them. Queen Victoria was on cocaine. And not the shit you take. (laughs) You've never done a line and gone, let's invade India. (laughs) We had the referendum up in Scotland that was won by the No campaign. David Beckham sent the people of Scotland an open letter an open letter because he couldn't work out how to get it into the envelope. <laughs> People said during the campaign that I was anti-English. I couldn't be more pro-English. 
I thought the best thing for independence would have been if England had won the World Cup. Because you would have been so unbearable that we would have to leave. <laughs> I think people don't understand enough about international politics, do they? In Scotland, people think that NATO is just a nickname you give to a guy who lost a foot to diabetes. <laughs> There's a thing that happens to you, I think, in your 40s as a man, where you suddenly realise that you're a dad, and not in a good way. You realise that you're a 42-year-old father of two who says lame dad stuff, and you will never be cool again. Do you know what my kids got me for Father's Day? They got me that shower gel, mint tea tree gel. No one had warned me about that. <laughs> I thought my arse was going to burst into song. <laughs> they always say, don't they, when you're telling your kids off, stay positive, don't be too negative. And I agree with that. But sometimes you're standing there thinking, I don't see anything positive about this. Do you know the saddest thing? You spend the first year teaching them to say dad. Say dad, daddy, dada. And now they're like, dad! And I'm like, shut up, will you? I'm on Tinder trying to find us a new mum. We were good, we were gold. Kind of dream that can't be sold. We were right, till we weren't. Built a home and watched it burn The wonderful Miley Cyrus, number one in the charts. I absolutely love it. I love her too. On your late lunch this Friday afternoon, we're heading to a toy library next. Stay with me, please. I'm sure most of us are familiar with libraries, but a toy library? Did you know there's a toy library in Carrick Macross? Yes, there is. It was set up in September 2020 by friends Elaine Murphy Byrne and Jill Kennan. And to tell me more, Jill is on the line. Hello. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thanks for uh, joining me on Late Lunch this afternoon. What prompted this in the first place? What prompted this? Uh, good question. Uh, Elaine and I met at a parent and toddler group just at the, the library in Carrick Macross there. And they had toys to play with, but you couldn't take them home. You had to leave them there when you left. Uh, so we just said, why can't you take them out like you could? The books in the library. So started researching then, toy libraries. It turns out they're a thing. Um, and we yeah, set about setting up our own. Is it difficult to get going? How did you get going? How were your first toys that you uh, uh, brought to the library? Where did they come from? The first toy we bought. So first thing we did is we did a bit of market research to find out if anybody in Carrick Macross wanted a toy library, if they'd use one, uh, which kind of days of the week would suit them to visit, what kind of toys they wanted to see. Um, so we did that first and foremost. And then we got going with a, a toy drive and a bake sale to raise a bit of cash. So we asked people to donate toys and, um, and and buy some cakes to, so we could, you know, pay, get mm. money together to pay for rent and, and, and things like that. And did you get much, you know, when you put the appeal out? We did, yeah. We had a great great reaction. Uh, now, this was going back about three years, so forgive yeah. me, my memory's a bit hazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we did. We had, we had some amazing toys. Uh, we get a lot of rubbish as well. We still take donations today. 
Um, so we kind of have an ongoing toy donation thing. But we're quite picky about what we take. So we, mm. we ask for toys with no batteries, if possible. Um, and we don't, we're not massively keen on plastic toys, but if it's something that's sturdy that would you know, stand the test of time, then we'll take it. Uh, we don't take soft toys. Um, obviously, we want toys to be in, in good working condition and complete, so things like jigsaw puzzles need to have all the pieces intact. Yes. That kind of thing. So do I take it that a lot of your toys are there to help a child develop and to challenge their imagination, etc. Yeah, Is that they the, are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have, um, so we categorise our toys according to um, area of development. So we have things like uh, fine motor skills, uh, you know, for kind of working their hand muscles, toys mm. that, that would do that. And then we have jigsaw puzzles, we have games, we have ride-on toys. Um, what else? We have vehicles, we have pretend play, role play, we have dress-up. We have a small dress-up section. So, yeah, yeah, we, that's, that's definitely something that we take into consideration when, when we're selecting toys. Um, about 75% of the toys we do source via donation or we, we find in charity shops or um, Facebook pages. There's a great kind of um, group on Facebook for, for getting pre-loved toys. Mm. And the rest then we do, we, we secure funding or, or through our kind of membership fees, we do buy new toys. But we're very picky again about what we buy and we try and plug gaps that we have yes. in the system. How much does it cost to join? To join, so membership starts, it's €12 Euro for a quarter, or it's 20 for six months, or it's 35 for the year. Mm. And what, what do you get for that? How, how much can you borrow and how long can you have them for? So it's four toys at a time, and it's for a three-week period. But if you wanted to take out new toys every week, you can. We have people that do. They, take out, you know, they come in every week and they get new toys from us. Uh, ordinarily, we also have something called Stay and Play, so when we're open to the public, then we have, we, at the moment, we've, we've just moved, we've just moved venues, so we don't have this space at the moment, but we're working on making a bigger, better stay-in-place space. Mm. So it, including with your membership is you can come in and you can play with the toys during the hours that we're open. And we have um, pop-up play sessions, we have facilitators coming in, so we've had kids yoga, we've had uh, a play session, a story play session in Spanish, uh, we've had another one in Irish, uh, we've had Jimbery, we've had... Um, sensory storytelling so yeah there's all sorts Lovely. of things going on yeah you've so much you're building upon what yeah we're you, building a community yeah yeah you are I, I see that for sure I'm fascinated by this I really do love it and you know fines have been done away with in the library service where you borrow books what about yourselves if they're not returned or do you have any ever any issues with that type uh, of thing we don't have any well touch wood yes <laughs> yes so far like it's not to say we won't have an issue with this in the future but so far in the two and a half years we've been up and running um we haven't had a problem. We've had, yeah, sometimes, you know, people have small children. We, we're all in the same position. We have small children. We know that, you know, some weeks you can't make it in, so your toys might be overdue. Mm. Members would just pop us an email and say, look, I can't make it in. Can you renew my toys? And that's not normally a problem. We have a few break. We've had a few breakages. We've had a dog eat a toy. Um, <laughs> Love it. Stuff like that. I mean, it just happens. I mean, yes. You know, so we make allowances for that. <laughs> and there'd be some toys we'd be, more pre- we'd be more precious about than others. Some toys that are more kind of, you know, things that we've, mm. you know, saved up for a long time to buy and that are expensive then you know we might ask a member to, to replace or to pay for that toy in mm. the event that that was you know destroyed beyond use yes it's very rare very rare and when you think what uh, I think the stat says what up to 90% of the world's toys are made from yeah. plastic so you have yeah. this this whole uh, uh, thing in the back of your mind as well this concept of yes absolutely yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's quite staggering really if you think about it so 90% of the world of toys it's the most plastic intensive industry on the planet the toy industry so it's, it's huge and, and, and toys when, they, when they're finished with 
um, they get thrown away by and large. They can't yeah. be recycled because they might have a screw in which is made of metal and then they're made of plastic and they might have you know some, some other material in them. So they can't be recycled. So they're not recycled. So they end up just being chucked away. So they're going to landfill or they're going to incinerators. Uh, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's not a good state of affairs. Mm. The, um, the the concept is, is relatively new to Ireland, but as you said, it is uh, around the world and you are certainly making strides forward. And the other thing I was thinking as well with children, you know the way they get bored with toys so quickly? This is fantastic that you can have a turnover. That's it, especially younger children. So there was a stat, I think there was some research carried out in the UK and I think they found that the average number of days it takes for a child to get bored of a toy is 36 days. (laughs) There you go. So, yeah, so it's perfect. So they get new new toys every week, but you haven't got the clutter at home. You're not tripping over toys, you know. And then we all have toys at home that we, you know, absolutely hate. You know, it could be a musical toy or or something that we detest or something huge and cumbersome that we're tripping over the whole time. So it's just great to have that for a few, you know, a couple of weeks. They're sick of it. It's it's taking up space. You can just bring it back to the toy library. Mm. You're not kind of lumbered with it. How do you fit in with the Christmas time, which is the big toy time when Santa arrives from the North Pole for all the children with toys? We sell gift vouchers. (laughs) So we encourage people to buy gift vouchers. So giving a single toy to a child, you're giving a a child, you know, access to over 500 toys uh, throughout the year, you know, so not just for Christmas. So, yeah, that's, I suppose... Uh, I mean, we we tend to be, now January, we, we, we're quiet now at the moment because people do have a load of new toys at home. Mm. Um, so we've had a couple of members say, look, we haven't been in, in in the last couple of weeks because we have so many new toys at home. But, you know, in the next couple of weeks now, we'll start to pick up and it gets really, really busy, especially over the summertime. We find ourselves really busy in the summer months. Yes. Are you uh, b- peculiar to just the Carrick area? Or do you cover the hinterland as well? Do people come a distance to you to yeah, avail? Yeah, we do, yeah. we do. So, uh, obviously, we're in Carrick Macross, so, you know, there are you know, people in the town are kind of very handiest for. We have people coming from Monaghan Town, we have people coming from RD, we have people coming from Dundalk. Right. We have someone coming from as far as Jenkinstown, so... You know, and we have people coming up from elsewhere, like down the country, coming to see us just mm. to see what we're doing because they're mm. interested in, in, in setting up similar in their own local communities. So, yeah, there's a, a huge interest. That's great to hear. It really is. So if anybody wants to find out a little bit more about you, tell them uh, online. Where are you? So we have a website, but the the, the web address is quite long and um, I won't bore you with okay. that. I'd say social media is the easiest way to find yes. us. And yes, yes. At CMX Toy Library, and we're on Facebook and Instagram. Very good. And your opening hours? We're open Friday mornings, ten to twelve, and, and alternate Saturday afternoons, two thirty to four thirty. So we're open tomorrow afternoon. Um, is our next Saturday opening, and then we're hoping to add. Now, once we're completely up and running in the new location, we're hoping to add um, maybe a Wednesday afternoon session. So Lovely. expanding. You are busy. Give a, a woman, give a busy woman a task and it's always yeah. done. I think that sums you up. <laughs> and yeah, it does. Yeah, it certainly does indeed. At CMX Toy Libraries, cross social media, you'll get all the information awesome. there. Congratulations to you. Wish you well for the future. Love it. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's Jill Kennan there from the Carrick Macross Toy Library where you can borrow and give back and just rotate your toys through the year. Fantastic concept altogether on our doorstep here in the North East. Late Lunch LMFM Radio. You do know that tonight on the Late Late Show it's all dedicated to Eurovision. We're going to pick our song to send to Liverpool a little later on in the year to represent us in one of the semi-finals. Well, our man Ken O'Sullivan, he is a Eurovision guru. 30 years he's been at this and he's joining me next.
Now, it's only the beginning of February, but Eurovision is on many people's minds already, particularly as something happened in Liverpool earlier in the week to whet the appetite. You see, it's happening in Liverpool because Ukraine won last year, but they can't host it, and the UK have stepped in, and Liverpool is the chosen city. The launch event was earlier in the week, and when I tell you that, I'm joined on the show by Mr Eurovision. It's his 30th year covering the contest, and he is a stalwart here at LMFM Radio on Sundays and more besides. Ken O'Sullivan, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much indeed, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Well, what's your impression from earlier in the week in Liverpool? A little birdie tells me that you're not impressed from an Irish point of view with what happened. Tell the listeners. I think we're actually going to be in, in a little bit of trouble, Jerry, because the way the, 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 the draw is structured, Ireland have been drawn in the uh, first semi-final, and uh, the, uh, only countries participating in the semi-final can vote for each other, and uh, and three of the of the big six, as it were, and. Um, of the, of the big six, the United Kingdom are getting are, are, have been drawn to vote in the second semi final, which means we we can't rely on any votes from the UK in our semi final. And also, um, this is going to be a, a jury, sorry, a, a, a telephone vote only. There's no jury voting in the semi final this year. This is a new initiative by the EBU. So that's two things, two strikes against us. And also, there's um, there's a couple of big hitters in our semi final. We got the Netherlands, who are, are, are always very strong, and Sweden, who are always guaranteed passage into the final itself. So there's really only eight places to shoot for and I think we're in a little bit of bother already. So we're, we're behind the eight ball even before even before a notice song. Now you're heading to Dublin this evening. A Late Late Show is the Eurovision contest for Ireland again this year. And looking at the lineup, uh, I see today that Jennifer Connolly is emerging as the favourite to win. You know who's taking part. What's your summation? Well, there's, there's there's two very strong songs by by a female artist, Jennifer Connelly. There's a fantastic song, and she sounds very much like Enya, and you're definitely going to get an Enya vibe from that. And there's another lady called uh, Leila Jane. She actually kicks off the contest uh, tonight with with her song Wild. And uh, of those two songs, I think uh, Jennifer Connelly just about just about shades. No, I don't really want to say anything now that the influence people. To, to, to one way or the other but uh, just having listened to the songs they're definitely going to get an any vibe from this it's a lovely lovely song a great arrangement she's only about 17 or 18 years of age and she's a, she's a, a huge talent and uh, of the other songs then there's there's a, there's a sort of generic pop song by Adji there's a rap song and there's a boy band song and then there's um, the, the one they're all talking about is the Public Image Limited uh, which is Johnny, Johnny Lydon and uh, that's 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 a bit of a dark horse. I I, I think Jennifer Connolly is probably the favourite. But but uh, keep your eye on um, on the third song tonight, Hawaii uh, by Public Image Limited. That's that's John Lydon. Now, can I just say it? There's a lot of talk about about the the, the sad circumstances behind the song, um, and uh, Nora, that's uh, John Lydon's wife, uh, suffering from Alzheimer's, and this is sort of like a, a tribute to her. But take that up, take that out of the equation, and it's still just a very haunting, very nice song that gets in under your skin and it stays there and you find, you find yourself humming it afterwards. It's just a lovely little, little, little song with a Hawaiian theme. And you know, Ken, Eurovision gets a lot of flack and people slag it and sneer at it. But you know what? And I want to say this. When I was growing up, it was huge and I still have a grow for it despite all that's happened, you know, with weird acts winning it. What about yeah. you? What about you and how you feel? 
Well, there, there, there was a, a dark period, say, between 2000 and 2010 when the, when the contest went, went just a little bit off online until they actually found a formula that could work in terms of actually dealing with the number of countries that wanted to participate. There's, there's something like 40-odd countries want to participate every year. I think this year the 37, but, but, uh, but the, the, the sheer volume, they had to do something to, to whittle that down to about 25 or 26 countries to actually appear on the final night. So that's meaning that they introduced um, a playoff system and uh, semi-finals and so on until they eventually settled down and found a formula that actually worked. Unfortunately, it hasn't really worked for us because we've only qualified once in the last eight years. So we haven't got the hang of the semi-finals yet and I think we're, we're in trouble again this year. But um, it's coming back around again and, uh, and I think in the last few years a couple of very, very good songs have won the contest. Um, the exception being last year, of course, because of the, 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 the sympathy vote. But uh, take, for example, Portugal a couple of years back and the Netherlands as well. They had two fantastic songs that were worthy winners of the contest. And if you look back at at various contests, you'll find that the top five or six songs are all really, really good songs, and maybe we're maybe we're actually heading back in that direction again of uh, of good songs, good compositions, winning the contest rather than the novelty vote. So you're heading up tonight. You've given us your summation. Twenty-seven years since we won it, and we're still the kingpins. But that's going to be surpassed someday. The way we're going again. So I is it so, is yeah. it is it all doom and gloom? Are we are, are we wasting our time tonight? Well, no. I mean, like, you, you mentioned that they were still the kingpins, just about because uh, it was Sweden around six wins, and they they've come very very close to to equaling our record uh, in the last couple of years. I think they, they, we know the, the, the last vote, and they were beaten by the Netherlands a couple of years ago. But um, but yeah, I mean, sooner or later we are going to be overhauled, and so we we've had our um, we, we've had our our, our, our moment of, of glory. I think Sweden will overtake us before we win again, um, because. Um, we need to to get away from uh, from, from going for a, for a novelty song. You mentioned the novelty song. We need to get away from that. We need to put in a good song. And goodness knows that there's plenty of great talent in this country. I think with, with the six songs I'm, uh, I'm looking at now, right, that, that are going to be uh, on the show tonight, um, there's six different songs. And I hope we pick the right one. And and I, I would like to sing. And I like to see a song advance and just kind of make a statement of intent that we are actually back in this. We're here to compete, and we're not going to be just kind of throwing in novelty song like like the turkey, which, which is the bane of our lives. Oh, yeah. I, because because I, I don't think that Europe has yet forgiven us for, for, for the turkey. No, they haven't. Anyway, enjoy this evening, and I want to just say to everybody listening. We all can vote this evening, so pick up the phones and vote for your favourite song. It is a combination of jury and public vote, and let's hope the best song wins, as Ken says. And do join Ken here on Sunday evening on LMFM Radio, and he'll be following up from the contest tonight, so don't miss that at the weekend. Ken O'Sullivan, here's to the next 30 years. Thanks very much indeed, Jerry. Don't close your heart to how you feel Dream And don't be afraid the dream's not real Close your eyes Pretend it's just the two of us again Make believe this moment's here to stay Touch Touch me the way you used to do I know Tonight could be all I'll have with you From now on You'll be with someone else instead of me So tonight 
Let's fill this memory for the last time. Hold me now. Don't cry. Don't say you were just hold me now. And I will know though we're apart. We'll always be together. Forever in love. What do you say when words are not enough? Ah, that's a tune, as they say. Mr. Johnny Logan and one of our Eurovision winners. What a brilliant, brilliant song. Louise, mm-hmm. can I say something to you? <laughs> Can I stop you? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you can, because you have the controls. You fly the plane. Anyway, I'm going to say it anyway. She cooked the turkey at Christmas. No. Did you ever hear such a sexist no. dad in your life? Did you? It annoys you, doesn't it? Yeah, it really bugs me, yeah. She cooked the turkey at Christmas. Yeah. If it was me, it'd be she burnt the turkey at Christmas. But generally speaking, there's an awful lot of men that cooks turkey at Christmas, don't they? Thank you. Yeah. Here's a man turkey cooker. Sitting. Can't just assume it was a woman that cooked the turkey. No. And it's it. I, I, you I, could I, have bought a cooked turkey. Yeah, I, I, I copped it myself when yeah. I heard it. She cooked the turkey at Christmas. <laughs> yes, you feel like that, for sure. I can understand that, for sure. Mm. Oh, bad call, bad yeah. call. Definitely a bad call. Yeah, because as many men do, actually. You yeah. know what I mean? And love cooking and love cooking the turkey as well. I wouldn't let anyone else do it. Would you not? I wouldn't let a woman put her hand in me turkey. No way! <laughs> Not a chance! <laughs> it's mine. Stay out of my kitchen. Stay out of my way here. <sighs> so you're to say if somebody came up and said, right, you can have the evening off or the morning off, whatever, if you do the turkey the night before. Um, sit back, relax. I'm going to do everything. You'll be going, no, you wouldn't be able to relax. And watch the king's speech. No, 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 no. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I have to do the turkey my way. You and your giblets. And it's my way on the highway. Oh, the giblets are very important. Do you for get the giblets? Stock. Yes. Ooh. Make the stock with the giblets. Yeah. Why Louise. are you talking about Christmas? Louise, exactly. It's the third, it's the third of every. All started by a. She cooked the turkey at Christmas. Late lunch, LMFM radios. Thanks for your comments. Angela says, I couldn't agree with you more. That ad drives me mad. Uh, Louise loves Christmas, by the way. Somebody there. She loves Christmas. It's not to do with Christmas. It's the sexist nature of the ad. My good friend Celia. Celia Quine has been on to me. I didn't see that message earlier. She says, You really like bad girls, don't you? Miley Cyrus I love Miley Cyrus of course I do and then she says with regard to the ad for Father's Day they can say he cooked the turkey and bring them to see Joe Dolan (laughs) to balance it there senior balancing the whole thing up anyway I think we'll have to have a look at that ad for sure let's reprise our TV theme Oh, I'd just love to sit in that chair one day. That's something I'd love to do. I'd love to be on that programme. Yes, that's the theme from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And well done to David McMahon today, who got it correct, along with a lot of other people too. Thanks, David. A little prize on the way to you in the post as we speak. Now, time for this on Late Lunch. 
Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number one from this week in 1986. We've been travelling down from five to one since Monday. And I have to say, I love the number one this week. When I tell you it's the theme song from the movie The Jewel of the Nile. Yes, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? It reached number one on the UK singles charts where it was this week. And it remained there for four weeks. Let's hear it. It's Mr. Billy Ocean. So true, isn't it? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Mr. Billy Ocean, number one in our top five countdown from this month in 1986. And next week, we'll pick another week from another year and play the top four for you because we're off on Monday for the bank holiday. Isn't it great to have a new and extra bank holiday in the year? So looking forward to it. It's too long between Christmas and Patrick's Day. This is just nice now, isn't it? Final break of the day and the weekend afterwards. David Sheehan runs the rule over the weekend sport. Lots of sport to cover and not a lot of time to do it. David Sheehan, good afternoon. How are you, Jerry? I'm good. Let's begin quickly with soccer and then we'll get into the GAA stuff. Are you at uh, United Park tonight for the game? I'm not. Mr. Taff is there. Oh, Adrian is covering tonight. Anyway, draw to Dundalk, Malone Cup, uh, curtain raiser to the season. What do you think? Ah, look, very hard to know at this stage of the season. A lot of new players in on both sides, particularly Drogheda. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how they get on tonight in terms of what sort of a lineup Kevin Doherty puts out. Clearly, Dundalk have been busy in the last couple of weeks as well. So it's it's a bed and down um, game, really, and the first few games of the season will be likewise. But um, it's, it should be really competitive. And I think a lot of a lot of people are looking forward to that game tonight and seeing a lot of new faces. Um, but yeah, as to how the result's going to go is anyone's guess. But looking forward to seeing how, how both sides line out. And if you're not going along, it's online on lmfm.ie tonight with Adrian Taft. Premier League, let's just talk about the top two. Everton uh, entertain league leaders Arsenal at 12.30 tomorrow, Saturday. New manager Sean Dyche, he's going to give them a lift. Could they uh, put a spoke in the wheel of the Gunners' championship ambitions? I don't think so. I don't think so. You look at Everton, um, and I know Sean Dyche coming in will certainly give them a lift. They've, they've, they're the second lowest scorers in the division. Wol- only Wolves have scored fewer goals than Everton. They've been absolutely deplorable this year. They didn't manage to get anybody in in the transfer window. They were going all over the country and all over the world to try and bring somebody in. They tried to get Andrew, Andre Ayew in as a free agent. Couldn't get him. He's gone to Forest. It's been a catastrophe of a season so far for Everton and I, I actually don't think Sean Dyche is going to be able to save them and I expect Arsenal to win this game um, with a little bit to spare. It'll be you know a fiery enough atmosphere at Goodison for Dyche's first game but Arsenal should be winning that game comfortably. Spurs Man City, they played very recently and this game is a quick turnaround in the league. Spurs were 2-0 up at City but they were pulverised in the second half. I wasn't surprised. Uh, you, anything but a City win here would be a surprise. Yeah, I think City as well. Like Spurs have, they've been okay lately. Like they've they've lost three of their last six. They they'd wins over Fulham and Crystal Palace. So they'll they'll beat those teams that are below them. But I can't see them living with City. You no. Know? So I think a win for Arsenal, a win for City, and the title race will 
Trundle on for another good few weeks, yeah. But yeah, it's going to be exciting. I think right, we're going to think it's going to go right down to the wire this season. Next Wednesday week, Arsenal City at the Emirates, big game that one for sure. Now let's uh, move to GAA and start with the football side of things. And on Sunday, Division Two, both Meath and Loud in action. Their second games of the campaign. Meath at home to Clare. Clare beat Loud late on last week. Meath a fantastic win in Cork. Has to be the Royals here, David. You'd imagine so, but Clare have been sticky opponents for me down through the years. Knocked them out of the championship last year, as, as people will remember, and gave them a real battle a couple of years before that down in Port Leisha. So it won't be an easy game for me, I don't think. Um, but I think what everybody was encouraged by last week, aside from the result, was the, the style of play that they that they employed. A lot more direct, you know, a lot more what people would call traditional Mead football, letting the ball in. And there, was, there were signs of that in the O'Burn Cup as well. They were letting the ball in from 40, 50 yards out, diagonals into the corner. And Shane Walsh ran a muck last week, got a goal, I think seven points in the end. So... Really encouraging performance for me, but you know they need to back it up. Um, they'll certainly be favourites at home against Clare, but I, I do think they'll get the win. But that's the, consistency is the key word for any for any manager, isn't it? I think mm. Mead will want to build on that win from last week, get the win against Clare, and then sets them up for what will be a tricky trip to Derry next weekend. Loath uh, have to be really disappointed with the way it finished in Clare. They seem to have the game won and they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. It don't get any easier. RD on Sunday, Derry the visitors, provincial champions, very close to an All-Ireland title as well. This is a tough one. Yeah, All-Ireland semi-finalists from last year. And, you know, Loath last week, you know, three points ahead going into at a time of which there were seven minutes and they just got pegged back four points in a row from Clare and to compound what was a bad day for them and I must give Casey Byrne a mention here did his ACL last week the man has had such bad luck with injury and you know I've spoken to Casey a few times for Sunday Sports such a gentleman such a lovely fella and to lose him was such a real such a big blow for Loud as well they should have seen that game out they just ran out of legs a little bit at the end it seemed Derry at home it's going to be a really tough one for them you know you really can't see anything other than a Derry win they beat they beat Limerick out the gate last week who were promoted from Division 3 with Loud last year as people will remember so that doesn't really augur well and uh, I'm afraid I see Derry winning this game with a little bit to spare as well I think Let's turn to the ladies football wise for a moment on Sunday in Division 3 Loud they're going so well they have Sligo at home Yeah absolutely and uh, Sligo have lost both of their opening games so you know, you'd have to fancy Loud here two wins out of two beat Longford the first they beat Offaly last week Henry Newman in and they really seem to be going well so yeah certainly you'd have to you'd have to give Loud the nod here as I say Sligo have lost both of their opening games so I think Loud should, should certainly win this one and that promotion march would, will continue hopefully continue on for them Mead ladies Bank Holiday Monday there in action in Division 1 an attractive fixture against Galway 115 uh, throw in there and we have the game here of course yeah, and this is going to be this is a game of the weekend, really. I mean, me, people will remember me just just about scraped by. I was doing the commentary on it myself. Just about scraped by Galway last year in the quarter final. Emma Duggan got a wonder point with what was almost the last kick of the game to win it for them. Galway really an up and coming team. They beat Dublin last week pretty com- comprehensively uh, at home. So you know that's a signal of where they're going. And I think they'll be coming to Navin to to really lay down the marker for the year ahead. Mead's still short of a few of their key players, a few of their star players. Obviously, the likes of Vicky Wall and. Orla Lally still not involved and Emma Duggan still out as well he thinks with, with a knock so yeah it's going to be an interesting one I probably make Galway favourites to this one the way the form has gone at the minute but Meath on home soil and a lot of supporters uh, there to cheer them on as well uh, it's their first home game of this league campaign I can see it being a pretty tight one but I think at, the, at this moment in time and it's not necessarily an indication of what's going to happen later in the year but I think Galway at this moment in time are in better shape and I think they might just get the win there Hurling matters this weekend, the National League as well, and uh, the game's on Saturday tomorrow in 2B. Meath up against Wicklow at Park Talton, 2 o'clock 
throw in there. Yeah, relegated last year in the league meet. So, you know, Sorsha Bolson going in in his first year, he was involved, obviously, in the backroom last year, but he's the main man this year. Uh, a decent enough Kyo Cup, two wins and two defeats. So, you know, some some decent performances in there. A lot of injuries, though. You know, he was talking to Colm earlier in the week and noted that quite a few players are still out with, with injuries. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting campaign for me. They could really do a bouncing back up into Division 2A. But at home against Wicklow, you would like to think that they'd get off to a winning start there. They, they should be able to win that one. But it, it's going to be a tough one again, I think, for them. But if they have any aspirations of getting promoted, they should probably be winning that game. And Darva, the venue for Loud in Division 3A, where they they face neighbours Armagh. Yeah, and Loud just about avoided relegation themselves last year. Obviously, had uh, won a bit of silverware in Crow Park. So they had a bit of a mixed year in terms of championship versus league. And Armagh were one of the sides to beat them last year, beat them by a point in last year's league campaign. Uh, but I think, you know, Loud, again, it's it's really hard to call at this time of the year, depending on what training teams are doing. But again, at home, it was tight last year. The fact that they're in Darver uh, this year maybe will we'll swing it their direction. It's going to be a tight enough game, I'd imagine, again. But I'm going to give Loud a, a hesitant nod here, Terry. It's, uh, it's a bit of a, a bit of a risky business making predictions at this stage of the year. But we'll give it we'll give it to the wee county in that one. And finally, rugby, the Six Nations. Ireland opened their campaign away to Wales. Uh, Gatlin Rack in charge of uh, the Welsh side. A lot of connections there between him, Wales and Ireland, of course. Uh, Ireland looking at this campaign, you know, to win the Six Nations ahead of the World Cup. Uh, Wales, never easy place to go on. The roof will be shut tomorrow in the Millennium Stadium. Yeah, at the request of Ireland and Nigeria, like, I have a feeling we'll be doing this. Uh, we'll be having this chat in five, six, seven years' time, hopefully, and uh, we'll we'll be talking about Warren Gatland coming back for it an eighth stint in charge of Wales because he's come back more times. Yes, uh, you know, I know, I know he's a Kiwi, but is he more like a boomerang at this stage? But yeah, I think Ireland they're missing they're missing Tyke Furlong, who's a big loss for them. But Wales in a little bit of disarray. Um, you know, they had a terrible autumn. Wayne Pivac was replaced, obviously, as we said, Gatland is back in there, so. You know, we talked about Sean Dyche coming in at coming in at Everton. I think they'll get a bit of a bounce out of out of Gatlin coming back in, and the atmosphere will be rocking in in the um, mm. well, Principality Stadium, as it's now called, as it always is. But I, I think Ireland should be too strong. And again, if we're talking about seasons and World Cups and whatnot, Ireland, you know, where they are versus where Wales are, Ireland should be winning that game. And again, they probably should be winning it by seven to ten points or something like that. So I'm going to say Ireland for that one. Oh, hopefully they will. David, as usual, thanks uh, very much. And Sunday Sports Centrepiece, of course, those big football games Sunday afternoon. Thanks for joining me again. Pleasure, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. That's a presenter of Sunday Sport, David Sheehan, rounding off the week on Late Lunch. Thanks to all our guests who joined us during the week. Big thank you to you for being with us every single day. We love your company. And as I always say every week, a big thank you to my producer, Louise Walsh. Couldn't do this without her. Thanks a million, Louise. Have a lovely bank holiday weekend. Never thought I'd be saying that at the start of February, but there you have it. We're off for the long weekend. Back Tuesday with late lunch from 1.30. Enjoy. Take care of yourselves. See you then. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.